If you have your Bible and would like to read God's Word with me, I'm going to be reading this morning from the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. Chapter 1, beginning with the first verse, the book of Acts. The writer says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when therefore they were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Pay particular attention to verse 8. He says, But you shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they steadfastly looked toward heaven, he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into the heavens? For this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go away into heaven. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. And right where you are, I ask if you will just join me in a word of prayer and ask the Lord for his divine capability in speaking the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the worship time that we've had. We're grateful for the individuals that are gathered here this morning uh, to help facilitate this broadcast. We're thankful for those that are watching. And we're thankful this morning, Lord, that you are faithful. We ask today, Father God, that you would be glorified in everything that is said and in everything that is done. I ask you this morning, Lord, to inspire my thoughts. I readily confess that of my own self, I am incapable. In my own ability, Lord, I am, am incapable and I, I lack. And I would pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would give me divine capability. 
that you would inspire my thoughts, that you would inspire uh, what is spoken through these lips of clay and that you would anoint it with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and empower what is said. Give us eyes to see, hearts to receive, and ears to hear what thus saith the Lord this morning. And Father, we will forever give you the praise. Touch those who are watching today. I pray that you will uplift them, encourage them, and minister to every need of their life. And we ask these things in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. So I want to title my message this morning, Where To From Here? Where To From Here? As you know, over the past few weeks, we have celebrated Palm Sunday. The glorious day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem with the crowds shouting and singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest and blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. They laid their palm branches before him and gave him adoration and gave him worship and we have, we have celebrated and we have observed Palm Sunday. We have also observed Good Friday and we have reflected upon the price that our Savior paid as he gave himself a sacrifice for our sins upon the cross of Calvary. Last week we celebrated the glorious resurrection of our Lord and our Savior and the fact that death could not hold him in the grave could not hold him. And the question that I would like to ask you this morning is so where do we go from here? What now? Did Jesus with great display of power simply rise from the dead, ascend into the heavens and, and sit down at the right hand of God and now he has nothing to do? He's risen, but what now? Where do we go from here? Is that the end of the story or is there more? This morning, I believe that our text answers that very question. Suppose with me for just a few moments today. Suppose with me this morning that we had before us the beautiful painting of the Mona Lisa. A great revered work of art, a painting by Leonardo da Vinci. It is considered to be a priceless piece of work, a priceless piece of art. And let's suppose just for a moment that it's nearly finished, but not quite. Amen. If you, amen, if you are like me, you can almost imagine it in your mind's eye. Suppose we are looking at that beautiful painting and it's almost finished, but not quite. And imagine in your mind that Leonardo da Vinci says to you, if he could, he turns to you or he turns to me and he says, I want you to finish the eye. I want you to paint in the smile. Here, you take over. 
You take over from here. If you are anything like me, I know we have some folks that, amen, have talent and they are painters. But if you are anything like me, you wouldn't dare to touch such a priceless work of art. I'm no painter. Let's suppose this morning that Michelangelo has begun his work on the statue of David. And let's just suppose he has the entire body complete and he hands you or I the tools. He hands you the hammer and the chisel and says, I started it, now you finish it. I wouldn't dare take the hammer or the chisel in hand. I don't know about you, but I would look at him and tell him I am no sculptor. I have not that kind of talent. I ask you this morning, would you finish them? Or would you, like me, shy away and say, no, amen, this is a great work. You complete it. Stop and think about that for a moment. Let me give you a sobering thought this morning. That that is exactly what Jesus did to his disciples. That is exactly what Jesus said to his disciples after the resurrection. Jesus had started a priceless work of bringing salvation to the nations and to the world. And then he calls his disciples after his resurrection and he says to them, in essence, here, you finish the job. I'm going back to my father. The rest is up to you. We've celebrated Palm Sunday. We've observed Good Friday. We've uh, amen, celebrated and glorified the Lord and resurrection. Amen. But now what? Where do we go from here? The answer to that question is in our text. Jesus had spent, the Bible says, 40 days with his disciples. And he got them started upon the great commission. And he said to them, you take over. I'm going back to my father. Amen. The Bible says in our text that with many infallible proofs, he showed himself alive unto them for 40 days. And then in essence, he says, you take over. And he ascended back to God the father. Yes, the work of redemption was complete. While hanging on the cross, you will remember that Jesus said these words, it is finished. And the work of salvation was indeed complete. Uh, amen. When he finished the work on the cross, it meant uh, that there was nothing to be added to it. And there was nothing uh, that you and I could do uh, to add to it. It's a done deal. Salvation is a finished work uh, because of the sacrifice of Christ. But after his resurrection... Jesus says to his disciples in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15. The Bible says that he said unto them, Go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm handing that work off to you. Amen. 
salvation is complete. It is finished. But I'm handing this great work off to you. And now I want you to go. I want you. I want you to go into all of the world and testify. I want you to go into all of the world and share the good news that salvation is available and that we can find freedom and salvation in Christ Jesus. He says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost, and teach them to observe all of the things whatsoever that I have commanded you. I've begun the work, but now it's in your hands. I'm requiring of you to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. I'm requiring of you to go into all the world and teach others about the good news of Jesus Christ. His work on the cross was finished. But, and that began a brand new work. Look at Acts chapter 1, our text. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus, and watch this, all that Jesus began both to do and teach. The former treaties. What does that mean? We need to understand that the book of Acts was written by the same author as the book of Luke. It was written by Luke the physician. Luke is not only the writer of the book of Acts, but he is also the writer or the gospel that bears his name. So in Acts chapter 1, Luke is referring back to the gospel that he had wrote as his earlier narrative. And he says to Theophilus, the former treaties, the former treat, the gospel of Luke, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus, and what's the next word, began. Of all that Jesus began, both to do and to teach. Luke was reminding Theophilus that in his gospel, he had covered the life and the ministry of Jesus on his, uh, amen, on his uh, visit to planet earth. And that one little word, began, means that the life and the work on earth that Jesus began, it was only the beginning. And now he has risen and ascended into the heavens. But the former treaties of Theophilus is just the beginning. There's something else that needs to be done. There's something else that needs to be fulfilled. And that work began a work for you and I. Now he continues to work and minister in and through us, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, amen, in the hearts and the lives of believers. 
The point that I want to make this morning is the fact that we must face the reality that Jesus began something and then he turned it over to us to finish it. He began a work and then he turned it over to us to finish it. The rest of the book of Acts is actually called, amen, the Acts of the Apostles. The book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. It's telling of their finishing of what Jesus started in their life. I submit to you this morning that each one of us are right now in the process of writing our chapter because right now in this life we are finishing the work that Jesus Christ has begun in us. That's the whole book of Acts. It's about finishing the unfinished work of Christ and picking up where Jesus left off. It's about picking up the chisel and the hammer and finishing the sculpt. It's about picking up the brush and finishing, finishing the canvas and finishing the painting. That's what you and I have been called to do. We have been called to fulfill the great commission to go into all of the world and teach others the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about sharing the gospel with others and bringing them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He began a work and he takes them outside of Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says, as he's speaking to them, they beheld as he was taken up into a cloud. And they watch him ascend. He's finished his work at Calvary. He's commissioned them to finish the work that he began. And then he ascends into the heavens. And the angels stand by them and say, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? Because this same Jesus that you see go away is going to come in like manner as you see him go. Amen. But I'm telling you this morning that when he lifted off of this planet and ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, he left a work for you and I to do. But he didn't leave us with the commission to do the work and then leave us powerless to do it. So there are three things this morning that I want to share with you that I believe are essential to finishing the work that he has given to us. Three things that I believe are essential that he has amen, uh, uh, given to us or provided for us. And those three things are essential in being able to complete the work that he's left for us to do. The first tool that we must have, the first tool that Jesus gave to us to complete the work is the right message. The right message. What is the right message, you ask, preacher? The right message, look in verse number two and verse number three. Jesus says to them as he was taken up in verse number two and verse number three, he says, through the Holy Ghost, he had given them command. 
commandments or given them commands unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also, in verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, amen, by many infallible proofs being seen of them for 40 days and speaking, and speaking, giving them the right message and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In other words, that after Jesus was risen from the dead, for 40 days, he revealed himself with many infallible proofs. But during those 40 days, he taught them and he instructed them and he taught them and he, amen, he gave them the right message to share. Amen. That message this morning is Christ and him crucified. That message this morning, the tool that he left, uh, he left us with the right message. First Corinthians chapter two and verse number two, the apostle Paul says these words, for I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The message that he gave us was the message of the cross. The message that he left us was John 3.16. For God so loved the world, amen, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. And verse 17 declares, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The message is a message of repentance. The message is because Christ has come, we can have life and have it more abundantly. The message is a message of grace because the scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, for by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, he says, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a message of salvation. It's a message of good news. It's a message that Christ has come and brought deliverance. It is a message of grace. It is a message of the blood because nothing can clean us from our sins except the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a message of one way. Jesus said these words in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. Our message is a message that Jesus saves. Our message uh, is a message, uh, amen, that tells us in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other name, uh, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. Hmm. Amen. When Jesus said, I am the way, he didn't say, I am a way. Let me tell you this morning, if you're watching, he is not a way. He is the way. 
If you're going to get to God, you have got to come by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. It is a message, amen, a message of God's grace being extended toward us and a message of Jesus Christ coming to give us life in Christ. Amen. It is not a message based upon human reasoning. It's not a message that's based upon New Age philosophy or New Age rhetoric. Amen. But it is a message that is based forever, settled upon the word of the living God. Isaiah 40 and 8 says these words. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God shall stand forever. So he's given us the tools to accomplish the work that he's given us. Amen. The first tool that he's given us is the right message. We need to have the message of the gospel of Christ embedded within our heart. Number two, the second tool that he's given to us. The second tool that Jesus gave to us to complete his work is the power of his Holy Spirit. He's given to us the message and the might. The message and the might. The power of his Holy Spirit. We cannot do the work that he's given us to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do the work that he's given us to do except we are endued with power from on high. Acts chapter one, our text, verse number four and verse number five. The Bible says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. You will be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire not many days from now. Amen. Here's what he's saying. Notice that he says, wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. You see, what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is that it is the promise of the Father that enables us to finish the work that he commissioned us to do. He says, don't don't set out on your own. Don't try to do this on your own. You're going to need my leading. You're going to need my strength. You're going to need my power. You are going to need my divine inspiration. Wait until you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Wait, amen, until you have been in tune with power. If you try to do it on your own, if you try to do it on your own, you're going to mess it up. Like finishing the Mona Lisa, like finishing the statue of David. You can't do that on your own. But he says to them in verse number eight, but you shall receive power, might. Power, that word power in the Greek is a word called dunamis. It means power like an explosive stick of dynamite. 
He said, you shall receive explosive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. You will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you and into your life, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power that enables you to do the work that he left for us to do. Remember our painting, our sculpture. You wouldn't dare, we wouldn't dare touch it. We wouldn't dare try to complete it upon our own. We don't have the skill. We don't have the feel for the tools. But what if Leonardo da Vinci could somehow take you by the hand and just say, now relax. You let me lead the way. You just relax. Don't try to do it in your strength. Don't try to do it in your power. Don't try to do it in your ability. Just let me take your hand and let me lead you and let me guide you. Let me paint in the right direction. Let me take the chisel and the hammer. I'll instruct you. I'll lead you. Beloved, that is exactly what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He's saying, I want you to finish my work, but I will give you the tools that you need. Amen. And just to make it possible, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, he will lead you. He will guide you. He will empower you. He will instruct you. And he will give you divine ability that you don't have on your own. I don't hear any amens, but if you know my phone number watching this morning, you should just text me, amen. He will give us the power to accomplish. He will give us the power to fulfill. He will give us the power to do the things that he's called us to do. If we're ever going to finish the work, we must have the right message and we must do it in his might and not in our own. Ephesians 6 and 10, Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Zechariah 4 and 6 says that it is not by our power it is not by our might. It is not by our power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What now? Amen. We need to take the message to those who are in need. And he's given us the tools to do it. He's given us the right message and he's given us the anointing of his Holy Spirit to empower us. To do the work that he's called us to do. We must have the right message. And we must have the might. Number three. We have to have the right mission. We need to embrace the mission. That he's called us to do. It's right there in the middle. Of that eighth verse. What is the mission Pastor Gary? It's right there in the middle of that eighth verse. 
If you still have your scripture open, look at it. He says that you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall be witnesses unto me. That's our mission. He's, he's given us some work to do. And he said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the right message. I'm going to give you my might. Amen. And I want you to take upon yourself my mission. The mission is to witness of me. Be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What is the Christian supposed to be doing? Our mission is to be a witness of Jesus Christ, a witness of his love, a witness of his love. The Bible says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen. The scripture teaches us that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are to love our enemies and pray for those that despitefully use us. We are to love. Our actions of love are a witness unto him. We are to be a witness of his love. We are to be a witness of his grace. Of his grace. I assure you this morning that I have not always, uh, amen, been a preacher. I've not always done the right thing. But, oh, thank God for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that his grace is sufficient. We are to be witnesses of his mercy. He has shown us mercy. And now he says we have freely received. And now we are to freely give. If you have been in the need of mercy. Then give and extend mercy unto others. We are to be a witness of his strength. We are to be witnesses unto him. That is our mission. That is our mission this morning. And if we ever intend to finish the work of Christ, then we must be a witness for Christ. Our mission is to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian mission is very simple, and yet oftentimes we fog it up some in the church think that their mission is to be the spiritual police and run around pointing out everyone's faults, pointing out everyone's failures, determining in themselves that they are both judge and jury. I tell you this morning, that's not our mission. That is not our mission. Our mission is to be a witness. Our mission is to, amen, share with others, uh, amen, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which he has done within our hearts, uh, and that which he has done in our lives. The disciples said to those that tried to tell them to withhold their message, they said, how can we but preach and teach those things that we have seen and heard? How can we keep from sharing those things that we ourselves have experienced? A witness is someone that declares to someone else what they have seen 
what they have heard and what they have experienced. I tell you this morning, that is our mission. He went away and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. What now? He left the work for you and I to do, but he did not leave us without the tools to accomplish it. He gave us the message. He empowered us with his might. And he has called us for a specific mission to be a witness unto those that are around us. Be a godly influence. Be a Christ-like witness in every area that you have the ability to affect. Be the witness of his grace. Be the witness of his love. Be the witness of his mercy and his goodness through your actions in every area of your influence. That's our job. That's our job this morning. He has risen from the dead. Where do we go from here? Now we have been given the Great Commission. His work on this earth has finished and he handed it to us. And he tells us, he shares with us, go and spread the good news. Go and share, go and witness. And he gave us the tools to do it. We have the right message. We have the power of his might. And the mission is set before us. And now I ask one last time, now what? What will you do with the finished work of God in your life? Jesus, when he was at a very young age, the Bible said that his mother and father sought him. And they sought him for three days, not knowing where he was. And when they returned to Jerusalem, they found him sitting in the temple and Mary says to him, why have you dealt thus with us? Why have, you, why have you taken off and not told us where you were going? And Jesus said these words to them at just the age of 12 years old. Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? That's our job this morning to be about our Father's business. As the Lord began to lay this message upon my heart this, this past week and began to share these thoughts with my heart, I couldn't help but think to myself, God, I want to be a part of that work. Yes, in my own self, I am inadequate. In my own ability, I fail and fall and come up short. But if you will take my hand, if you will take my hand and guide the brush over the painting of my life, if you will take the hammer and the chisel and take my hands 
And help me to know when to apply the right kind of pressure in the right spot. If you will enable me, then Lord, whatever you call me to do, then that's what I will do. I must tell you, I'm not a fan of the camera. And that may, you know, come as a surprise because some of you know that for 14 years uh, I worked with Mark Davis who is here filming this morning. I worked with him in doing a television program over in Napa for a local station over in Napa. I'm not a fan of the camera. I'm not a fan of being out front. But I made a decision a long time ago that, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, then that's what I'll do. I just pray for your help, for your anointing, for your touch. In myself, I can't do it. Help me to be effective. Beloved, that's what he asks all of us to do. Make ourselves available. These people that are up here playing worship, that's what they have done. They've made themselves available so that God could use their talent to further the work of his kingdom. And that's what God desires to do with each one of us. Bow your heads right where you are, if you will, and pray this prayer with me. Lord, help me to be a part of the work that you have left for us to do. Help me to take up the tools of the message, the might, and the mission. Allow those to become effective in my hand. Let me share the good news. Empower me to do it. Empower me to be uh, fulfilling the mission of being a witness of your glory and your grace. Lord, right now, right here, right now, I make myself available to you. Pray that prayer with me. Lord, right here, right now, I make myself available to you. Touch my life, touch my heart. Help me to be a yielded vessel in your hand. Take my hand in yours and help me to be a yielded vessel in the hand of God. Lead me and guide me. Instruct me and teach me. And let me, I pray, O oh God, be a part of the divine work that you left for us to accomplish. In Jesus' name, I pray that. Now, Father, as we close this message this morning, I ask that you would touch every single heart. Lord, wherever they may be listening, I pray that right now, God, that you will touch their lives. Speak to their hearts this morning, I ask. Minister to their very inner man. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will minister to every need of their life. Financial, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it may be. I pray right now, Father, that you will meet that need. We're living in a very difficult time. And I pray, Father, that you will see their difficulties and that you will impart blessings even in the midst of adversity. 
And we will fail not to give you the praise, fail not to give you the glory. We ask it now, Lord, in the mighty and awesome name of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen.